You see, we look into time, look back into time. We have the Bible. We know that this happened. Well, why? Because it's written in the Bible. We believe it. Now, there's a lot of people that don't. A lot of people think it's just something that's made up. He was born of a virgin, just as the Bible said. He was a masterful teacher, as if he knew the Word. He did. Nobody could tell it like Jesus. He walked on water because they saw it. I want you to pay attention to that. They saw it. They testified of his birth. They told about him walking on water. They talked about him going and healing people. They talked about him setting, setting free those that were captive. They've talked about him setting those free that were demon-possessed. They went and told all of this to everybody. We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John to let us know that. Now, they might seem like there are some differences in there, but they can be explained. I promise you, if you just get into the Word and you dig it out, it's kind of like somebody telling a story and one guy standing at this angle and the other guy standing at this angle. When we watch football or basketball, they got more than one ref on the court. One guy doesn't see it, he looks at the other one to see if he knows the call, why he had a different angle, looking at the same picture. And so we have these testimonies that come in about who he was. So if this story is true, first of all, we have to determine that Jesus was and is real. History will tell us that he was born. Even the nation of Islam, who was trying to kill us because we don't believe like they do, have Jesus in their Koran, that he was a real man. They got that much right. <laughs> we have Peter who said he would go with him to death and then denied him and then was broken hearted. I think that was a moment that he really came to know who Jesus was. He thought he had faith in him, but it really came about at that moment. We have Paul who, who had, a, had a miraculous conversion, a wonderful story. We have Paul who went and did many things in the name of Jesus that couldn't be done unless it was powered by God. He preached the word, he told about miracles, and the next thing you know, people's getting saved. He even preached so long as somebody fell out of a window and died. That's bad when you go go resurrect the folks you're preaching to. But God set it out that way. It could only happen by the hand of God. And he's preaching about Jesus. Jesus. Is he real? These guys said he was. They told us all the stories that are in the Bible. It's all written down. God inspired it. Jesus really walked this earth. Jesus, as the scriptures foretold, was going to be crucified. He had to die for our sins. He was the only way that we could be redeemed from our sins 
was through Jesus Christ. The perfect lamb. These guys told these stories and throughout history, even today, preachers today can get up and tell about Jesus and be crucified in some kind of way. People on the other side of the world can tell about Jesus and they lose their lives. It's happening every day. There's not been too many uh, times here in the last couple of months that you haven't heard of something going on at a church. Pastors getting shot. What's going on in this world? But they're telling the gospel. They're giving the word out. These fellows could have all done everything. Uh, they, 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 see, what am I? They told about Jesus. They said, you know what? He was buried. And as he said, he was risen from the dead. They had a tomb. That if the leaders didn't believe in it, why did they go to his pond? Why don't you uh, put some guard on, on the tomb? Because they said he was going to be raised from the dead. you remember that? And he says, well, put a guard on it and seal it as best you can. They put a seal on it, I guess, to keep them out. But this guard wasn't like one guy like we usually see in the pictures. The guard was probably about 16 people. 16 men there. We know that they were fearful when this angel spoke. They was worried that there's some truth in this. They was afraid they was going to steal his body and take it away. And then this rabble-rouser bunch of people, these, that was the original holy rollers. I mean, they believed in Jesus. They'd walk on water. They'd lay hands on. They'd watch healing happen. They really believed in it. And yet, the thing that makes it true how many of you would die for a lie? Now, we know Peter denied him on the night of his trial, and he went out and he wept bitterly because Jesus had told him the night before as, they were, as he was washing their feet, having supper with them, he says, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. And he did. But then, something changed in him. He wouldn't stand up for him that night because this had to happen. You understand that. This had to happen. But for the rest of his life, he spoke about Jesus Christ, that he is the Son of God, that he was crucified, dead and buried, and he raised up again to life. And he is seated at the right hand of the Father. All of these people did that, and whenever it came time for them to die, Paul was beheaded. Peter was crucified. But he said, the tradition tells us he was upside down. He said, no, my master was crucified that way. Turn me upside down because I'm not worthy to die like him. I need to ask you this question. If this is not true, why did these guys go to their death saying that it was? All they had to do was say, Oh, that's, that's sorry, you guys got guns, you're going to kill me. I was just making it up. No, they went to their death because it is true. We believe that. We celebrate at Christmas time, right? Of his birth. We have Easter, we celebrate of his resurrection. 
We have special Sundays, baby dedications. But I want Jesus to be more than just a Christmas Jesus. Jesus needs to be more than an Easter Jesus. Jesus needs to be more than the baby dedication Jesus. Jesus, he needs to be more. He needs to be in our lives every day, every step of the way, all day, every day. Because he is real. Amen. So we get to the the dying part. Why did he die? We know he's real and we have the testimonies in here and preaching goes on every Sunday throughout the world, usually always about the life of Jesus and what he did for us. He was marked for death the day he was born. You got Herod finds out that by, the, by the, uh, uh, the wise men when they come through, and he says, uh, what, you mean somebody else is going to be the king? Somebody else is going to restore these people? Somebody else is going to do this? And he's jealous. So he sends his people out to find out what's going on. He sends them out to kill the babies. But Joseph has a vision. And he says, Mary, we got to go. The Lord showed me something. We've got to get out of here. It wasn't time for him to die. He still had a ministry to do. He still had some people to touch. He still had some work to do. And you know this, folks, it's God's timing. Everything is about God's timing. Don't we get frustrated sometimes with God's timing? We can all shake our head yes if we're going to tell the truth in church this morning. We get frustrated with God's timing. But his timing is right. He was led to the slaughter. Bring little lambs in. They usually don't say much unless they're hungry or something bad's after them. You look them in the eye and cut their throat, and they'll usually just drop right on down. That's the way Jesus was. He came on in. He had a mission to take care of. He was in the garden the night before and he was sweating drops of blood because of what he was going to have to endure. Now I'm going to give you the can spin just on this little part here and you can take it or leave it. He had some relationships with those folks. He was going to be, the father was going to have to turn his back on him because when he took on our sins, he couldn't bear to look at him. Now that was a wait for Jesus. Let's talk about his flesh for a minute. He loved his mama. And he loved his disciples. He loved all of man because he did what he did. So everybody, he even hung on the cross and said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That's Ken Spin. I think a little bit of his agony in the garden was, man, I really like these people. I love them. I don't want to have to leave them. There's got to be, there's got to be another way. But God said, no, there's no other way, son. This has to be done this way. And so Jesus, you want to talk about a man's man? He might have had long hair and a beard. He might have cried a little bit. He was a man's man. He stood up and says, let's go do it. We got to do what we got to do. 
And so he moved forward. For God so loved the world. Say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's why this happened. Amen. Amen. We know how and all this, and we believe it, we know it, we know he was resurrected from the dead. This is Easter Sunday morning. And churches throughout the nation and across the world have celebrated this morning. But why? That's what I want to talk to you about. Galatians 3 and 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung upon a pole or a tree. You see, the curse that comes about because of sin is what we deserve. Ken Lester deserves that curse. Willie Hatcher deserves that curse. Everyone in here deserves that curse. But Jesus said, I'll take care of it. He stepped in our place and did what only he could do. It was because of the curse. The whole earth was cursed when sin came in. You used to be able, you know, I, and I don't know this but because I wasn't there, but we know that the curse came. Who laughed? Somebody thought I was there. 250 to 700 years ago, I've been getting some conflicting reports on this, so bear with me. I'll give you that because it's what I have. We're going to read one passage that talks about this. You see, the prophets, they were spokesmen for God. The prophets would come in and they would tell something from God to the people. A lot of times they would be able to tell something that's going to be coming to pass on down the road years before Jesus Christ was on this earth. 650 years, Isaiah 53. Popular, popular scripture. Who has believed our message? Starting in verse 1. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? We have people today in this world that do not believe this message. We have people in the world today who have heard this. There are some folks that probably know it better than I do that say it ain't real. I used to work with a guy like that. Thank God he's saved now. But he knew the Bible. But it was to refute it. He didn't believe in it. He believed it was just a bunch of fairy tales and every little sect of people has their own fairy tales that leads to some kind of supreme being, but it ain't born of a virgin. If we tell this story, Brother Eddie, that he's going to go to this cross, that he's going to take this beating and he's going to survive the beating and that beating is going to take care of all of our sins, that grave 
and then he ain't going to be there. Three days later, he's going to be, not be there. He's going to be raised from the dead. Who's going to believe that? And we're there today because many don't believe it. This prophecy is coming true. Back then, when Jesus was resurrected from the dead, they didn't believe it. Why didn't they believe it? The Bible tells us that people was walking around and had been resurrected 500 in one place. 500. The temple had an earthquake and the, and the veil was rent in two, torn in two from top to bottom. Shoo. And who would believe this story? Jesus on his triumphal entry a week ago comes in and he says, you should have known the time of your visitation. Why? Because it's in the Word. And nobody wanted to get what the Word had to say and therefore their eyes were clouded over and they couldn't see. And that's what's going on today, brothers and sisters. Because people don't get to see. You can't see these kinds of things. Why? Because you deny Him. The arm of the Lord speaks of the power of God. God performing His purposes. As I said earlier, it wasn't time when He was a baby to be killed. God's timing is always right. God's timing is always on time. It's perfect. We wonder, why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to me? Well, it's happening to you because God, if you put your trust in Him, has a plan. Why, Brother Eddie, did you have to have surgery? Why did it have to wait so long? Now, we could just go and just whoop up on all them doctors that didn't know what was going on, and you could have had a lot less months of suffering. But it was all about his timing. Maybe it's so we could have this conversation on this Easter morning. That God touched you and has brought healing to you. He used a doctor, but you're still here. A hundred years ago, it might have killed you. And you're here on Sunday morning. Ready to praise and ready to go have some breakfast. I know you are. You understand? It's because of his timing. His timing is always perfect and it's always on time. It's always just right. Isaiah 53 and 2, he gave up. He grew up before him like a tender root, like a tender shoot, and like a root out of the ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. The he is Jesus. And he grew up in front of who? Him? God. And he was like a tender root. You know all this logging they've been doing down the road. Big old, big old stumps hanging out there. This spring, you're going to start seeing little tender shoots come up. And they ain't much. I mean, they're going to be littler than your finger, about the size of a pencil, you know, as they, they get up about mid-spring. They ain't much sitting on a root this big and a little shoot is coming up. It ain't much. And that's what he's talking about. You see, there was nothing about Jesus. We don't have anything in the Bible that tells us how tall he was, how skinny he was, how heavy he was. We don't have anything to tell us about the color of his hair. Now, we can speculate, okay, he's from the Middle East, he's Israeli, but we don't know. That's just speculation, and that's getting outside of the Word of God. We don't have a clue. Because it was not about us putting up an image and worshiping him 
It was about us worshiping him in our heart and knowing who he is in our heart. You see, there wasn't much note about him. And he was, he was a root out of dry ground. You know, a root coming out of dry ground don't do much, does it? It's slow to come up. It usually don't grow very fast. It's not a threat. We don't get the weed eater out when the dry ground is raising up these roots because we ain't too worried about them. They're probably going to die out. But that's what he's talking about here. This is Jesus. He had no beauty or majesty, majesty to attract us to him. If Jesus Christ walked in here this morning looking the way he did 2,000 years ago, most of us would probably hope he sits over there. And the ones over there would hope he sits over there. Do you understand that? He was rejected. He was plain. But he was the son of God. And he had power. Power from on high. But if he walked in here this morning and he didn't have on his Easter yellow tie and his blue shirt and his jacket, would we shake his hand? Would we want to get to know him? Or would we just acquaint him and move on? Because he is weary. nothing about his physical appearance to attract us to him nothing nothing not one single thing it says oh look at him you know the movie stars they're always taking muscle medicine and always putting getting these shots and make their lips fat and their wrinkles go away from their eyeballs and all this stuff not Jesus not Jesus, Brother Gene. He was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of sorrows or suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces that he was despised. And we held him in low esteem. He was hated. Jesus was hated. Does this seem like a coming king? He was hated. Have you ever been hated by somebody before? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, being hated by somebody's tough. ISIS hates me. They hate you. You're an American, unless you're Muslim this morning. They hate you. You know better than the dirt on the bottom of somebody's shoe. That's hatred. Do you lose sleep over it? Not really, do we? No, we're Americans and we're tough. They come to my house, they're going to get something. They better come prepared. That's what we say, right? We watch it on the news, we get a little bit angry about it, and then we go on about our day. <clears throat> this is the kind of hatred that Jesus had, that they had, he received. 
<laughs> I won't say he's got hatred. He received. This is the love of my life. This is sweetie. And she's like, oh, what's he going to do now? <laughs> but the kind of hatred that Jesus had because of what he come to do and what was wrote on it, what he received, it was kind of like this. If all the love that I can pour out to her and everything I could do, and then if she turned around and hated me, that's a little bit different than ISIS hating me, isn't it? That would break my heart. If any of you hate me, it would break my heart. But that wouldn't be the same as if sweetie hated me or my children hated me. That's the kind of hatred that Jesus received. He was hated. He was despised. The religious leaders despised him because he brought some truth up in the house and they didn't want to hear it because it affected their way of doing things. When the truth came in to set the people free, you know, we talked the other week in church about, about the Nicolaitans, which thing Jesus hates, he says in Revelation. Folks, it ain't about people holding guns on you. It's about people using this right here to persuade, to persuade, to persuade people away from God and away from his ways to half-truths or no-truths. And that's exactly what was happening with these Pharisees because Jesus came with truth. And there's something about the truth that does something for us, don't it? It just lifts us up. Something about the truth just gives us a little pep in our step. Something about the truth that will set us free. No matter what we're dealing with, the truth will always set us free. The truth will always set us free. Jesus went to the cross so we could be set free. He took care of some truth. And he was hated because of it. And it was all prophesied 650 to 700 years before he came. He was despised and was in low, low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. The people didn't know how to discern. And you know what? We can't cast stones because we do the same thing. You ever heard this, this term? What on earth did he do to deserve that? Don't we? Some guy lives to be 150 years old. Well, that was good living. Really? There's some people who lived a long time and didn't have good living. It ain't determined that way. It ain't determined that way one bit. But we always look and say, they must have did something wrong and God's upset with them and he's punishing them. Don't we hear that? Ain't that the mindset going on in America? God's upset with them, and he's punishing them. That's our, because we, we love things. We got things, God loves us. We don't got things, God don't love us. He's, he's hurting us. But Jesus had nothing. He had nowhere to lay his head. He didn't have any place at all. As a matter of fact, he was buried in a barred tomb. 
And the people were not discerning. They weren't able to put the pieces together. And he did tell them, you should have known. But here is the most famous verse that we have. But he was wounded or pierced would be a good word. For our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his stripes or by his wounds we are healed. We are healed. We are healed. All because of what he did at Calvary. And we we repeat this one. And I only need to tell you again, if you've been praying for God's healing on your body and it ain't come just yet, just wait. It's all about His timing and His ultimate healing just may be that you get to go to heaven. Now what's so bad about that? If we don't want to go to heaven, something's wrong. Something's wrong in here if we want to stay with the stuff. We love our friends. We love our families. And there's nothing wrong with that. I don't want you to take it wrong, but you want to know something? There ain't nothing on this earth, and nobody on this earth can take the place of Jesus and can take the place of our mansion in heaven. Nothing. And we need to be looking forward to getting to heaven. But he was wounded. They took the cat of nine tails, and we watched that movie last night, me and my family. And they beat Jesus to where you couldn't recognize who he was. The muscles was running out and you see bones. It's an excellent movie to watch, The Passion of the Christ. But can you say, like I can say, he was wounded for Ken Lester. No matter what I'm dealing with, Jesus Christ was wounded for me. And you can put your name there instead of mine. He was wounded for me. All of the sin of this world was transferred upon Jesus. Now, you know, have you ever felt guilty about something? Have you ever done something and you kind of felt a little bit guilty? Anybody know what I'm talking about? You just kind of hurt in your heart. Think about Jesus. He took the sin from the beginning all the way up to when it ends. We don't know when that is. Not just one occasion that he was hurting in his heart because he just was hurting because of a sin. He took every bit of it upon him. Everything that I've ever said or done that's been wrong, He took that sin upon him. Everything that I've done, he took that upon him. Everything that is to come, he took that upon him. He still loves me. Do we understand that? He still loves me. He still loves you. No matter where you're at, no matter where you're walking, he loves you. That's why he had to go to the cross. It wasn't always about the hatred that they had for him and to get rid of him. It was so that we could be redeemed. His pure blood is what paid for our sins. It's not the blood of bulls and goats, but the blood of Him. The blood of Jesus, the pure blood of our Lord and Savior. That's what it was about. He overcame death, hell, and the grave. And I want to ask you this morning before we close. Have you received salvation? I want you to understand what the blood does. You remember in the Old Testament, if you watched TV last night, I think they had the Ten Commandments on. I missed that this year because I watched it since I was a little fella almost every year for Easter. You know, Joel Brenner and Charlton Heston? 
Moses and Ramses. And they went around and they put the blood on the doorpost. And so whenever the death angel would come through Egypt to kill all the firstborn, when he come to the one that had the blood on the post, he said, I'll pass over. I need to ask you a question. If you had blood on the doorpost and you was inside fighting with your wife, did he pass over or did he kill you? If at that moment you was having one of these thoughts up in your head, maybe you had the internet on at home, I don't know. And the blood was on the doorpost. Did he pass over or did he kill you? They didn't have the law at that time. Remember that. They didn't have the law. It was about their faith. Their faith. Just something for you to think about. Passed over. And I don't care where you've been. And I don't care where you're at. The blood of Jesus can set you free. And I don't care where you was and you've fallen to. I mean, come on, let's face it. We've been in some pretty good services before. And then by Monday morning, we feel like the devil's meeting us, right? So we ain't at the place we was the night before. Feeling good, you know, oh, Jesus is working and we're happy. And, and then the next day something goes wrong and it seems like everything falls apart. And you got to go have surgery done and it didn't go well. And. This is going on and that's going on. It's kind of hard to keep your spirits up. But does that mean he loves us any less? That's right. It doesn't. Because what he did on the cross was so we could be saved. And do you understand what he did by what I've told you this morning? He paid the price that only he could pay. Only he could pay it. Brother Anthony, only he could pay for you to be saved. Brother Ken, only he could pay. Wasn't nothing you could do or I could do, Brother Willie. Wasn't nothing you could do. Jesus had to do it. And he stepped up like a man's man and took care of business. Only he could do it. And if you don't understand what I'm talking about, and maybe you want to have this relationship with Jesus, but you just don't want to give up the things of the world, then I'm here to tell you, you don't truly understand what we're talking about, about sin, and the reason that Jesus went to the cross. You don't truly get it. We don't want to go back there. We don't want to go back to where we was. We don't want to have to fall into the traps that the devil sets for us. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Does he set traps? Yeah, somebody cuts you off in traffic and all of a sudden something comes out of you that's not Jesus-like. I'd be glad there was some blood on the doorposts. Amen? We want to put it all away. We need to put everything away. Everything needs to be put away because of what His blood has brought in. We need to put away all this sin. You see, we don't put it away so that we can earn salvation. It gets put away because we are saved. It's because we love Jesus. Sin, sin, hatred. There's so much hatred going on right now inside of this world and inside of our nation. 
the racism that's going on, being perpetrated by all kinds of people, can I tell you that is sin? And it needs to be put away. And it can only be put away by what Christ has done. That's the only way. It can only be put away by the power of the Holy Ghost. Only by His power and by His might can we put away these things that drag us down. It's sin, and we need to be putting it all away. The filthy mouth, the filthy jokes, the filthy ideals, the filthy stuff we share on Facebook, the filthy stuff we share through Twitter, all this filth, all these kinds of things, all these ideals that we share that may not be quite Christian-like because it feeds into our flesh. That's the kind of stuff that's got to be put away. It has to go. And friends, can I tell you this morning, you ain't going to do it by yourself. It's got to come from the Holy Ghost. He's the only one that can empower us. Jesus made the way and he said, hang on, I'm going to send the comforter. He's the one that will help us. He's the one that will empower us. But we got to be able to see it. We don't need to be blinded with our eyes anymore. We need to be able to see what sin is. It ain't just hanging out at the bar on Saturday night. It's a lot deeper than that. And Jesus went there so that we could be saved. He took care of business for us. That's why he was crucified. These people did it. We know they did it. But the reason why is so we could be saved. And we believe that this morning, don't we? We believe it. If somebody comes up with a gun in here this morning, will we stand up for Jesus? Or will we cower away? Ask yourself that question because those questions will be coming soon. If he don't come back and get us and we get out of here, those questions will be coming soon to our own doorsteps, folks. We better know who we stand with. We better know what we stand for. Amen. You don't play us a song, fellas. I'll need to give the biscuits time to get done. <laughs>